You're lying there flat out in the sack, see? It's about three, maybe four o'clock in the morning, although you don't really know what time it is, but you're lying there flat out, and for some reason or other, you have regained consciousness. You have crawled back out of that void, dragging your knees over the wall until finally you're peeking into the sunlight of consciousness. But you're lying there flat out, and it's maybe three or four o'clock in the morning, and you've got a wad of cotton in your mouth. Your throat is dry, just lying there flat. Without thinking, you slowly ease the covers back, but it's it's kind of cold. It's not exactly cold. It's not chill. It's just cold, kind of like, in the room. You feel around with your feet, looking for your slippers, until finally you get them on. You drag... You don't want to turn the light on, because when you turn the light on, that is officially saying you're awake. You're officially up. You drag your way to the door... Out into the hall, and finally you find the john. You're looking for a glass of water. You turn the faucet on. You don't want to run it too long to make it cold or anything. You just turn it on. You start... <laughs> it's brackish. It's warm. You turn it a little more. It's still warm. You drink. You feel a little better. You're slowly coming even more to the edge of that bright sunlight of consciousness. You drag yourself back into the room. You start to ease back into the sack... You hear a rustling sound outside on the street, a kind of strange rustling sound. Now, there's plenty of traffic on this street, so you don't really pay much attention to it. You ease yourself into the sack and you lie there flat, but still you hear that rustling, a kind of rustling sound. It doesn't sound like an automobile. It doesn't sound like tires or anything really, just except a rustling sound. You get up, finally, you go to the window, and the Venetian blinds are at half-mast. You look out, and first the street is dark. Nothing. And I don't see anything there. You sort of half turn to go back to bed, and something catches your eye. Your eyes are beginning to focus. There's a dark mass moving along the street there. Dark mass. What is that? You look sharper. You're fully awake now. And you see that the dark mass looks like a long snake kind of crawling along the street. It's going from right to left. A long snake undulating, moving. You look closer and closer and you see that it's a mass of seething humanity. Moving almost in utter silence. And they're moving down towards the end of the block. Look down there and you see where the line is ending. One by one, they're climbing into a manhole. <laughs> Thousands of them. They're wearing bathing suits, and they have bathing caps on. Old men, young boys, elderly women, young girls, kids, chicks. Nobody's saying anything to anybody else. And they all appear to be carrying valises of some kind. Weekend travel cases. They're climbing into the manhole down there at the end of the... He looked down the other way, and you could see that there's an endless throng of them jostling towards you. They're coming from the east. They're moving west. Countless people. You look. You look around across the street. There's no other lights lit. Nobody. I'm the only one. <laughs> well, what's going on? Fifteen minutes later, you're putting on your bathing suit. You're packing a valise. Twenty-five minutes later, you're climbing down into a manhole. <laughs> you're not going to leave me alone. <laughs> you're not going to leave me alone. Old Charlie, I know. <laughs> Part of the gang. <laughs> Ooh, it's cold for a bathing suit. Yeah. And they're all around you. 
15 minutes later, you're slowly dragging yourself to consciousness again, and then you're slowly lowering yourself back into the void. <sighs> what a relief. For some reason or other, there's a telephone in your hand. You're crying out loud a phone, and it's been ringing. It's been ringing. Just hold on, not yet. No, it's been ringing. Pick it up. Hello, yeah, Charlie Watanabe here. You're sitting at your desk. How did I get at my desk at 3 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> Charlie Watanabe here. Yeah, cost accounting department. Can I help you? Who's that? The editor of Life. What does he want with me? I, 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 I don't read magazines. <laughs> no, I'm not interested in any magazines. No, no, no. No subscriptions. <laughs> what? He wants to talk to me about doing an eight-page picture story on how I got started? What my chief influences were? On, on how I, I achieved success? Picture story when? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be free Thursday night, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want to do it up at my place? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine. You hang up, and just as you hang up, the phone rings again. You pick it up. Hello? Uh, uh, Times? New York Times. Yeah, this is Watanabe here. You want to do a story called Inside Watanabe for the Sunday Supplement? Who, who's got... Gilbert Milstein? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I, I'd be... I'd be pleased to have you fellows up here. Of course, uh, the life man will probably be here. You don't mind, do you? Yeah, well, well, they're coming Thursday night. Well, I could squeeze you in. Would would Tuesday be all right? Yes, I have an open date Tuesday night. Yes. Yes, no, I don't mind. No. Yes, yes, uh, fine. <laughs> yes. All right, Tuesday at eight at my place. You hang up the phone. It begins to buzz again. You pick it up. Who? Collingwood. Charlie Collingwood. Yeah, put him on. <clears throat> Uh, yes, Watanabe here, Collingwood, yes. Uh, y- yes. You usually do a, a two-part program. What do you mean? Oh, I see. One part Marilyn Monroe, the other part Pandit Nero, I see. Yeah. <laughs> you want to do a three-part... You want to do a... I see. You want to devote three whole programs to... Uh-huh. Yes, uh, person to person. Uh, you, you, yes. You want to come up to my place? Well, I'll have to get it cleaned up a little. It's a little out of... <laughs> yeah, I'll have to get a girl in, you know. <laughs> well, well, look, uh, uh, Charlie, uh, you're liable to have to... You don't mind. There'll be A few of the boys from life will be there, do you? And, uh... Yeah, there's, there's going to be a man from the Times. You don't mind, do you? Okay. <laughs> All right, thank you. And the phone rings. Hello? Uh, what an obby here. <clears throat> White House? Mr. Kennedy? Well, well yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, Jack. Uh, you, you'd like to... Uh, you want me to come up Tuesday? I can't make it Tuesday, Jack. No, no, you see, uh, <laughs> I'm busy Tuesday night. Uh, life is going to be here. I can put the boys off. I, I, I have an appointment with Marilyn Monroe immediately following... What? Yes, all right, Jack. Yeah, well, I'll call you back when I... When I straighten my schedule out, yeah. Yeah, oh, no, 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 any time. Just call me here and, and just put... They'll put you right through, yeah. 
Okay. You hang up the phone, and all of a sudden, you're seeing yourself. There's this gigantic watermelon. It's the greatest watermelon in the world. It's it's green and ripe, and it has stripes on it, black stripes. This watermelon must be a thousand feet long and a thousand feet high. Ah. Yes, you've tapped it. At long last, you've tapped it. They finally discovered what it's all about, why I'm here, what's going on. It's going to work out. Don't don't bother me. Don't bother with me, fellas. <laughs> I'm only on the air. That's all right. Don't don't bother with me. <laughs> but it's it's going to work out. I got this watermelon now. I've tapped it. I mean, what do you really want? What do you really want? And ask yourself, what do I want? You know what you want. Yes. You know what all of us want. Whether we want to admit it or not. It's like it's like. It's like in the it's like in the depression. They had they had this game called Monopoly. Well, you know, it seemed like a fairly fairly harmless game, but was it harmless? No, it really told what it was about, you see. What everybody wants is a monopoly. Yes. What every businessman secretly wants is to see all other businessmen up against the wall. <laughs> yeah. I like good honest competition. As long as they're inept. As long as it looks like they're in trouble. As long as it looks like they're bailing. That's what I like. Good, solid competition, folks. <laughs> and so, all through the Depression, people played Monopoly because I have a feeling that the games are what tell what we really want, what we secretly really want. The little things we do, the trivial little oddments. Like play games, you know, and fool with yo-yos and all this little stuff. Monopoly was no mistake. They have a game now called World Diplomacy. And you know what the winner of the World Diplomacy game is entitled to call himself? Honorary World Dictator. Yes, the idea of the game called World Diplomacy is to take over your partner's country. The opponent's land, his nation. You see, everybody is given a nation to play with. And then you start dealing the cards and you start shuffling the dice and spinning the little wheels. And the moves are made by stealing your friend's secrets. As you have just stolen his state secrets, move two places forward. You have just busted through in a vast pincers movement and are about to surround his capital. Yes, it tells what we really want. Uh, speaking of uh, vast pincers movements, this is WOR AM and FM New York. And now, if you will please to credit me with, and if you will please to butter me with, the gothic music. I will be prepared to tell you something about our industry, our world, our life, and our time. <laughs> although, although, really, you know, I, I really do believe that most of us, sadly enough, do go through our lives believing in the simple virtues and the simple homilies. I, I feel that there must be at least a million people out there tonight who feel that hard work will get them somewhere. Who feel that honest toil will finally make them achieve the pinnacle, the goal that they are seeking. Who honestly feel that, that saving money, like, yes, uh, modesty is a virtue. You don't think for one minute that any actor, any star, anybody who ever really makes it is modest, do you? Let me tell you, you ought to hear Olivier talk about Olivier. <laughs> uh, modesty is a virtue, but it never got you a fat contract. Ever. It never got you a shot on the Ed Sullivan Show, Dad. Ever. Ever. And so you sit, an ink-stained wretch, crouched, 
over your roll-top desk, scribbling away, making your tiny little etching your scratches in the vast ledger of business life. Scratching away. Someday it'll work out. Any cut, Ed, just any of them. You scratch away, you scratch away working. An ex-stained wretch. Let me tell you, actually, I suppose a dollar saved is a dollar earned. Yes, a, a penny, each penny saved, finally, pennies make dollars. No, no, they don't really, you know. You save pennies and all you get is a lot of ball jars, a lot of canning jars full of coins, that's all. <laughs> you don't get the big fat bonds that people clip the bottoms off. I'll tell you that, Dad. <laughs> Charlie, I'll give you a word of advice. I'm beginning to produce a small booklet in my mind called Just Simply Keep Your Knees Loose. The Education of a 20th Century Man. Now, if you really want to make it with that little pile, you don't think that moldering little pile of dough that you've been able to scrunch out of the rocks of existence is going to shield you against anything that's going to make You don't think it's going to grow, do you? The only advice I can give you is start shoveling $20 bills out the third or fourth story window. Within 15 minutes, there will be 150 people standing down there cheering you. And then announce, I will begin again tomorrow at 1, exactly. 24 hours later, there would be 34,000 people under your window. What more do you want? What more do you want? I'm looking through the wastebaskets here at WOR a couple of hours ago. You know, you've been hearing all this talk about George Washington on the air today. I wonder if Washington would ever recognize himself. All this jazz about never telling a lie. No man could exist without ever telling a lie. He'd be shot by the time he's ten. He never told the truth. Can you imagine what would happen if, if, if we did declare a national nothing but the truth day? Kennedy gets on television and he tells the truth for 30 seconds. <laughs> We'd be in an atomic war 45 seconds later. <laughs> Some guy, uh, I could just see it. This, this, this nation would be, would be a, a fantastic part of Wheatina. The world would be, a, would be embroiled in, a, in 30 seconds like a gigantic overripe blimp. Fantastic thing. And speaking of the truth, I don't think we ever really know the truth. Ever. Nor the answer. And of course, I think one of the things that, that, we're, that is bugging us today is the 20th century man honestly believes more and more as we get more abstract in our lives. You know, as, as it becomes more of a mechanized thing and everybody becomes specialized and the machines are going and everything. We have to somehow give ourselves an identity. So a guy walking past the room with the IBM machines are clicking, he looks in there and he says, I'm not a machine. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any tapes in me. <laughs> don't I? <laughs> no tapes in me. <laughs> But he suspects that any minute now, he's going to go to a doctor and the guy's going to put a stethoscope or maybe even put a pair of an electrode in his ear and read him on a scope. And say, Charlie, the trouble with you is that your bias voltage is way down. Way down. And uh, your transistors in your cathode follower circuit need replacing. Would surprise half of the population. And did you hear... Really, did you read about that kid? There's a wild case where there was a kid who honestly believed he was a transistor. See, he's just gone over to the other side. He's admitting something. And <laughs> the rest of us still haven't, you know, we're still clinging to the edges. But nevertheless, this, this consideration of the machine world, I think is, as it gets wilder and wilder, and more and more stuff comes out of the loudspeakers, and more stuff comes out of the television screens, more magazines, more newspapers, and it gets to be a gigantic drum fire, a brouhaha, the world becomes an enormous mushroom 
that more and more man begins to believe in magic, not less but more. That, that almost every product has to have a magic ingredient or no one's interested in it. Not a bit of it. In fact, I, I fully expect to see there will be a cough medicine with the new magic ingredient, Get Wellium. Yes, the new magic ingredient, Get Wellium, will take care... Get Wellium. That'll work out, all right. Uh, there are countless women who, who I can, can imagine the saddest woman of all, is the woman who has just used up five jars of rejuvenating hormone facial cream, guaranteed to bring back that youthful vigor and that tone, that pizzazz that she possessed at 16. She quietly expires at the end of the sixth jar. D.E.D. Dead. In spite of all that youthful vigor, pizzazz, and the magic ingredient. Where's the magic? What happened? Ah, boil and bubble, toil and trouble. Poor George Washington. He didn't live to see the day. You know, speaking of, of our, our concept of history, I heard a fantastic radio show today. Where, where And inadvertently, the truth was coming out. Where this uh, reporter was saying to kids, he was out with a microphone, and he was asking kids on the street, what do you, what do you know about George Washington? Kid says, uh, well, I don't know, he had white hair. Uh, that's exactly what the kid said. I'm not inventing this. And he says, oh, well, he, he, he didn't always have white hair, did he? Well, he had white hair all the time. I only see him with white hair. And then, they, <laughs> obviously, they were getting nowhere with this. And he says, well, haven't you heard about what, about the truth? He said, no. And uh, uh, the announcer says, well, didn't you hear about what he did with the cherry tree? He says, what do you mean, cherry tree? He says, well, he chopped down the cherry tree. Oh, yeah, I know that one. And this, his old man came out, and, and Washington said, I did it. And uh, the announcer says, yes, wasn't that wonderful? Do you think the kids of today tell the truth? And the kid, who was aged 15, said, no, I don't think anybody tells the truth. I think everybody lies. The answer <clears throat> and now, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to uh, uh, move our candid microphone along here. <laughs> the truth had come out. And then instantly, by the way, immediately after that, this announcer with a beautiful, unctuous voice went into a commercial. This kid is standing right there looking him right in the face. <laughs> Just thought you ought to know. <laughs> and so I'm going through I'm going through the wastebasket, and I'm going to read something to you and not change a word. This is a tip sheet that is sent out to radio stations all over on how they can make their radio station really sell. And it tells a lot about our world. And so if you will if you will bless me here with a little gothic music, we will once again enter the vast cathedral of man's mind. Now, fellas. As uh, a consultant on uh, radio selling techniques, I'm uh, here to uh, give you a few tips, handy hints and kinks on how you can utilize the present holiday season, the patriotic holiday season, to make your radio station really hum, <laughs> as we say at the main office, really hum with spot sales. <laughs> now, uh, I'd like to first of all tell you that I'm going to call my talk today. There will be a question and answer period, of course, after the meeting, fellas. I'm going to uh, entitle my talk today, Civil War, a Stirring Promotion Theme. And uh, you don't mind if I read my notes here. I've had my girl transcribe a few of these things because I believe that there are so many important points that we have to cover that we'll have to cover them exactly. And uh, we'd like to read from, we'd like to read from our notes right now at this time. The Civil War Centennial Observance provides retailers with the exciting stuff that schemes are made of. <laughs> Just 
figure of speech, of course, fellas. <laughs> the mushrooming interest in The Last War, fought by gentlemen, offers you scores of opportunities, fellas. Chances to build community goodwill and store prestige in addition to sales and traffic. And as many merchants have thus far discovered, exciting, imaginative, offbeat selling events are badly needed now in 1961 to stir consumers <laughs> off their wallets. <clears throat> now, I'd like to tell you what some of the boys are doing in the business to utilize the Civil War theme to cause a little excitement around the cash register. Now, out in Madison, Wisconsin, two appliance dealers have declared what they call a Civil War. <laughs> Kind of clever idea. Maybe you might be able to utilize it in your community. Uh, one dealer is located in North Madison, and the other is located, conveniently enough, in South Madison. <laughs> well, throughout the coming Civil War centennial year, they're going to battle with bargains. The clerks will be dressed in Civil War garb. Of course, the man in North Madison will dress his men as Northern soldiers, and the man in South Madison will have his boys dressed in gray, of course. <laughs> And they're going to sustain interest in the Civil War through a new series of, shall we call them, sales attacks. <laughs> I think that's a very clever little scheme, and uh, it'll cause plenty of ringing at that cash register for the Civil War buffs in the neighborhood. Now, we have other ideas, and I'd like to give them to you fellas. Now, read them to you slowly so that if you would like to take notes, uh, we'll give you time so that you can jot them down. Now, um... Here's an odd little idea that I think some of you might find useful to <laughs> ring those cash registers. Uh, have you thought of the idea of handing out uh, Confederate money? Uh, phony Confederate money is easily obtainable at any novelty store, and this can be handed out with the green stamps, fellas. And it causes a little talk and a lot of fun, and the kids certainly will love it. And incidentally, you might have a Confederate money sale which people bring in their Confederate money and trade it in for usable merchandise. That's a kind of a clever idea. <laughs> and, and this is one that I think is really going to go over with a bang in this, the, con the Civil War a centennial year. I think this is going to go over with a bang, and I'd like to read it to you right now just the way I transcribed it. I, I got a brainstorm the other day, fellas, sitting at the office desk there when suddenly it occurred to me what a terrific idea this would be. I'd like to see some of you boys try it out, and I'd be interested in hearing what kind of consumer reaction results, what sort of listener activity uh, comes about as a result of this little gimmick. Uh, many local radio stations could find it useful to dress their staff in Confederate uniforms, selling month-long packages, and particularly the salesmen of the radio station should go out on the street dressed as Confederate soldiers. And they would sell month-long packages during this, the Civil War Centennial Month. And here's one that I'm really proud of, fellows. It might really go over with the sock. Particularly for you guys who have stations up there in the Midwest and in the northern areas. All commercials during this, the Confederate Centennial Month, are to be read in southern accents by announcers. Now, I'll give you a, a, a sample on how this would work. <coughs> Uh, folks out there, have you, have you tried Alba Dry Milk? Alba Dry Milk tastes just like it comes from the cow. Wonderful, sweet taste in milk, and yet it doesn't have any of those calories that put extra pounds on you. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to return to number 14 of the hit parade. In just a few seconds, we'll have our vibrating weather tower give you the vibrating Confederate news. <laughs> and now we get on with our program. Now, you see how this would attract attention, folks. You understand that these things are all 
to celebrate the Civil War, which was the last war fought by gentlemen in these United States. And now we have a few other little handy hints that perhaps you might just throw in to get the ball rolling, as we say. Smartly dressed Confederate and Union soldiers, lovely Southern belles in proper costume, could easily set the key for a supermarket or department store blue and gray promotion. Kind of enjoy that idea. Radio personalities on your local station could be dressed as Lincoln. If you have a particularly tall announcer, a tall disc jockey, buy him a set of broadcloth, long broadcloth. It's easy to get that at any costuming shop. Dress him up as Lincoln, a short, maybe a, a stout man with a with a with an artificial beard dressed up as Lee. You could get someone dressed up as Grant, perhaps, and have them mingle with shoppers in your supermarket. And this, this we'd like to save for last, have them tape interviews for use on the air and use the actual names of the personages that they are impersonating. For example, Madam, I'm Abraham Lincoln, and I would like to ask you what you think of the new supermarket, the new beautiful supermarket that you're visiting. You realize that tying in these actual historical personages will add an added sales oomph to the Civil War promotional theme. One more thing, if you follow some recording every Civil War spots during the forthcoming month, uh, for example, if you're having a crash Gettysburg sale, or perhaps you could have the Battle of Antietam used car promotion, which is very fine. Uh, uh, many, many slogans probably come right to mind at this time. For example, <laughs> the retreat at Bull Run. Yes, friendly funny, your used car dealer is retreating once again from Bull Run. Come and take advantage of his terrible defeat. Uh, this is uh, all little things that could be added to put this promotion over. Oh, oh, and we like the idea of the station signing on in the morning with a rebel yell. Uh, this also will cause a lot of attention and could cause a lot of good fine talk and perhaps even a little, uh, well, a little action at the cash registers. So, fellows, remember, the Civil War provides a stirring promotional theme. Get it over the top. And remember, in the words of Abraham Lincoln, the deeds which we do will not be long remembered, but in four score and ten years, our sales chart, you mind if I paraphrase a bit, our sales chart will show the benefits of the honest labor, the sweat and the toil that we put into this great Civil War promotion. Uh, any questions, fellows? If there are no questions, we'll see you downstairs in the green room. <laughs> we provided a little refreshments for all you boys. And uh, good hunting, fellows. Good hunting. Somehow, somehow... I wonder how it felt to get a to get a rifle ball in the shoulder through the left lung. Traveling down into the vicinity of the spleen at Antietam. On either side. Yes, that last romantic war. Isn't that fantastic the way we the way we treat our history, the way we treat our tradition? Can you imagine, for example, can you imagine a man uh, typing out a uh, suggested sales promotion in Paris and he calls it a Joan of Arc promotion kit. Have any of you folks out there in the outlying provinces, any of you folks in the small villages thought of a Joan of Arc promotion? 
How, how easy it would be to dress some of your salesgirls in Joan of Arc costumes. And, uh, do I have to go any further? <laughs> can't, you, can't you imagine in London? Can't you imagine in London uh, the year is 1966? And they say, do you realize just 900 years ago today, the Battle of Hastings was fought, and we're going to have our big Hastings promotion. We're going to have people out dressed as William of Orange. We're going to have the Hulk. <laughs> I can see myself being buttonholed by Grant next to the frozen food counter, and he's got a microphone. This is USS Grant, and I'd like to ask you how you like bird's eye frozen TV dinner. I... <laughs> Doesn't seem wrong to people, I guess. <laughs> and is it wrong? I don't know. Uh, there's no question about it, but what? But more and more, our life is becoming really like the second act of a gigantic production of some lost and forgotten Olson and Johnson script. Really. I can hear the sound of... I can hear those, those, those pig batters, pig bladders being swatted back and forth. I can hear the sound of seltzer bottle be, being squirted into the wings. If you listen carefully, you can almost hear it. Just, just listen, just listen. Out of the mouth of the alley, the elephant lay asleep. The wild, clan, the wild cat moaned in the parlor, and the lion murmured, peep, peep. 300,000 cooties played leapfrog over a chair while a bald-headed man with a shoe in his mouth sat complacently combing his hair. Out of the depths of the chimney came a hippo's well-known scream while a bright red rabbit with 16 legs chased a green cat away from his cream. As I took my bath in the coal bin, I saw a trolley car born. And I bowed by the left hand of Pluto. I'd stay sober from here on in. matter, does it? Sober, innocent, innocent debauched. The cry, the watchword is all the same. Ah, penny saved is a penny earned, friend. And just put them all in a green ball jar. You know anything about why they call them ball jars? Oh, but it doesn't make any difference. Do you know anything about monolopy? What's the name of the town that those treats in that Monopoly game were named after? Come on now, all together, folks. All together. Let's get that big old promotion off the ground. Let's have a big old 30-year war promotion. How about that? And how about all of you folks out there who honor good pursue that golden ideal. What do you say next year we start a big second crusade promotion, eh? Yes. We'll all dress as knights of the crusade. Someone can lead us. We'll have people dressed as Saracens. We'll get this stuff going. me one small chorus of Oh by Jingo, and we will salute all the lost heroes, all the forgotten heroes, 
All the heroes of the past who built our world, who each one adding his small drop to the vast Chinese wall of humanity was lost and forgotten the instant he swirled off into obscurity. We salute thee, our big salute all of past mankind promotion. It'll get that old cash register moving, Dad. Let's go all together. <laughs> sitting there in the back seat. I'm going to tell you a documented tale of Manhattan. Those of you who live in Trenton, oh, <laughs> I know how it must be. Hello there, Philly. Are you still awake? <laughs> Hello, Philly. Get off your duff, Philly. Poor old Philly. You can hear it stirring out there. The spring's creaking. Somebody muttering, what's that noise out there on Broad Street? Hello, it's me, Philly. Get off your duffs. <laughs> Anyway, I'm at 3 o'clock in the morning riding a cab through the streets of Manhattan. I've gotten into the back seat of this car. Well, I, I began to realize this cab driver looks a little odd. Strange. I'm trying to make a conversation, you know. And I say to this cab driver, how, how's, how do you like your Studebaker? Got a little Studebaker log, how do you like it? This cab driver, in a, in a very obvious, oh, I think it's great. Oh, it's a great little cab. I really dig it. I realize this cab driver's a chick. A real chick. I don't mean a lady. I don't mean a woman. I don't mean a hippo or a rhino. I mean a chick. I just, uh, <laughs> and she's, you know, she's jabbering away up there in her front seat telling me about, yeah, I got this car. Oh, what a rotten car. I hadn't, <laughs> I'm sure glad. I love this little car. I'm driving along. And I just can't help it. I says, how long you been a cab driver, baby? And she says, seven months. I says, seven months. <laughs> she says, yeah, yeah. Boy, it's a ball. You like driving a cab? She says, yeah. And she's funny. She's very funny. There's something very amusing, very cute. You know, it's kind of like hanging like as an aura around this chick. And I say to her, what, what, what did you do before you got into the cab racket? And she's really a chick. She's lovely. She really was. I says, yes. And I said, what did you do before you got in the cab racket? And she says, well, I was a stripper. I'm actually a stripper, actually. I said, What? She said, yeah, I'm taking a few months off, you know, getting away from the old grind, you know. <laughs> I said, what? She said, yeah, you know, I'm taking a few months off, getting away from the old grind. I said, what? She said, boy, what a square you are. Grind, grind. <laughs> I'm a stripper. I said, stripper? She said, yeah, I work all the joints. Work down in Miami. She had this fantastic Brooklyn act. Work down in Miami. I work all the joints up and down. I'm just taking a few months off. Driving a cab. I'm living down in the village. It's great now, you know, just driving, pushing a hack around at night. Swinging, you know, it's a lot of fun. Actually, I'm a stripper. 
I said, well, you're a stripper. You're, you're driving a cab. Said, yeah, I'm a stripper. I, I didn't take a few months off, you know. I said, well, how did you get to be a stripper? Well, I went to this joint one night with this guy. He gave me a date, and we're in there. We're, we're watching the stripper. See, and it turns out she's a chick went to college with me. <laughs> went to night school with me. CCNY. And I said, hey, that, that dumb cluck, she can do it, I can do it. And 15 minutes later, I'm up there, and I'm stripping. They're all cheering. I've been in the business ever since. Nothing to it. Anybody can do it. I said, not me. He said, oh, well, <laughs> you're not so square after all, are you, boy? <laughs> I know a couple of clubs you'll probably get away with it. <laughs> and I said, oh, come on, come on, I'll lay off, will you? How do you like the cab? This went on for four hours, it seemed like. Pretty soon I got off at my corner, she went swishing down the street, and that was the last I seen of her. How do you like that? <laughs> well, so there I am playing the infield again, and they're doing nothing but hitting long fly balls. Five minutes later, I'm playing the outfield, and they're hitting nothing but grounders. Yes, sir, I like this glove because it's got the best pocket in the business. Come on, our boy. Keep loose. Keep loose. Let him hit it, Charlie. Let him hit it. Keep loose. That's it. Keep loose. Boy, we're with you. We're with you. We're with you. We're with you, boy. Yes, I still got the old third base gab. Keep with you, boy. We're with you, with you, with you, with you. Come on, boy. Keep moving. This guy's got nothing, 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 nothing. This guy's nothing. He's up there swinging a ball so fast. This guy can't hit nothing, nothing, nothing. Look at him choking up. <laughs> He's a born bunter. Just thought you ought to know. How are you, Philly? I know. Kid sent me a letter. I'll read you the letter. Hold on. This being the year, this is a kid who lives up. I will not tell you where he lives. Hold that theme, Ed. I, I think we need a little razzmatazz music. You got a little Rudy Toot? Okay. Thought you ought to know what the kids are thinking. Now that the kids are in bed, there are some kids who really got a sharp eye for the way it is. Listen carefully. I got this letter from a kid who lives in Richville. Maidetsville. Up there in Connecticut, where the dough grows on trees. Dear Mr. Shepard... It's from a real fancy street. You know the kind of street called Number 3, Red Fox Lane? That kind of thing, you know? Dear Mr. Shepard, this being the year... Now, listen carefully. You get a kick out of it. No, 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 no chatter. This is funny. This being the year of the discovery of my physical manhood with all of its biological and psychological implications, I feel I cannot pass up this small opportunity to attempt the small cry of indignation. <laughs> this must be some dastardly communist plot. The plot manifests itself this time in the form of the 60-second filmed commercial. In this case, one expostulating on virtues of a certain cigar. Of course, according to the commercial, this is the pinnacle achievement, this particular cigar of the entire cigar industry. The excuse this time is the type of tobacco leaves that make up one of these cigars. As it first flashes on the TV screen, the viewer's attention is focused on two birds, one male and one female, lovebirds, of course. Then the announcer croons over the picture. It happens to birds. The two cartoon creations move together, and a huge heart appears above them. Next are shown two bees, similarly categorized. The announcer says, it happens to bees. They snuggle up, and another heart appears. Finally, we perceive two tobacco leaves, one obviously a girl-type leaf, and one a boy leaf. <laughs> they embrace, and we are told, it happens to tobacco leaves also. The lovely couple are taken to what they call a marrying room, where a screen is discreetly pulled over the picture and more hearts appear. The idea is that this cigar is so superior because it's made of two different strains of tobacco leaves, each chosen for its own particular characteristics, the boy and girl leaves representing the two strains of tobacco. 
Then they explained just what the characteristics of the strains were that caused such a fantastic cigar to come into being. <laughs> on one side of the screen, they showed perhaps 20 girl-type leaves, and on the other side, 20 boy-type leaves. The announcer then went on to explain that the two types were flavor and mildness. Immediately, all the little leaves were branded with either tiny F's or M's. I'll let you guess which letter our side received. Signed, a 16-year-old male type. Underneath it, in parentheses, he says, very mild. Oh, yes, he went on to say, Shepard, I'm digging your night show. You sound like a fish that's been flopping around on the pier in the sun and some kind-hearted old shrap lady just threw you back in the sea. I enjoy... <laughs> yes, yes, Mr. Shepard, I feel that you've been flopping around in the sun too long. I'll just kick you right back in the ocean. This is 